This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's Sunday, June 2nd. I'm Margaret Brennan, and this is Face the Nation. It's happened again. Another mass shooting, this time in a Virginia Beach government building. 13 are dead, including the shooter. We will not be defined by this horror. We will go forward. We'll have the latest on what prompted the alleged shooter to attack his co-workers. Then, both special counsel Robert Mueller and Attorney General William Barr go public on the Russia investigation. If we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. This whole idea that Trump was in cahoots with the Russians is bogus. We'll get reaction from the top Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee, Virginia's Mark Warner, and a key Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee, Louisiana's John Kennedy. And as the number of migrants crossing the border surges, President Trump goes after Mexico in a move that sparked controversy even within the Republican Party and among his own trade advisors. The president announced new tariffs on nearly $360 billion of imports, unless Mexico does more to stop the flow of migrants from Central America to the United States. West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin is back from the Arctic. He'll tell us what he learned. Plus, ahead of President Trump's visit to the United Kingdom this week, we'll talk with British Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt. He's running to replace outgoing Prime Minister Theresa May. We'll have analysis on all the news of the day, just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. Virginia Beach is in mourning today after a longtime city employee went on a shooting rampage inside a municipal building on Friday, killing 12 people. Eleven worked for the city, one of them a local contractor. It is the deadliest mass shooting in the U.S. so far this year. Dwayne Craddock had worked for the city for 15 years. He used two 45 caliber semi-automatics that he purchased legally. At least one of them was outfitted with a suppressor, and he was carrying multiple extended magazines. His motive is still unknown. With us now is the senior senator from the state where this happened, Virginia's Mark Warner. Uh, senator, the Virginia Beach police chief said today that uh, he didn't believe any other kind of gun legislation would have prevented this. The weapons were purchased legally, uh, and he entered the building in a legal manner. But we do know uh, former Congresswoman Gabby Gifford's organization that rates gun safety and violence says every 10 hours in the state of Virginia, someone is killed with a gun. Is this something your constituents just have to adjust to? Well, Margaret, first of all, we're all heartbroken about what happened in Virginia Beach. Um, Twelve victims, 11 of them public officials, and since they worked for the city. And thank God for the police officers who rushed in and took down the shooter, or chances are there could have been more deaths. And we're still not sure what motivated this shooter. I've been in touch with city officials and the governor, and there may not have been anything with this specific case that could have prevented it, although obviously additional mental health uh, assistance would be would be critical. But we got to recognize that this just doesn't happen in other civilized nations at this level of violence. And while it's too early to talk about what specific actions, I do think there ought to be some kind of lowest hanging fruit like universal background checks that might not have done anything in this particular case, but 
might prevent some future incident, particularly in terms of uh, identifying somebody that might have mental health issues in terms of their ability to obtain a firearm. I do think there are certain areas where we could and should come together in terms of action. What about suppressors? Apparently the shooter had one on his weapon and that muffled the sound so that victims couldn't run and hide. I think that's an area that there ought to be a legitimate debate. I've, I've felt that we ought to take steps against assault wipe, uh, assault weapons. The suppressors, uh, I'd like to hear what the legitimate reason is in terms of either self-defense or hunting, why a suppressor is needed. But again, there, there may not be any single item here, but we can't become, in a sense, callous about the fact that whether it's the number of folks in Virginia that are taken out by firearms or the, the numbers of mass shootings that have taken place already this year. You know, the basic underlying fact is this just doesn't happen in other nations at this rate. And I think we all ought to, in a sense, put some of our politics aside and, and sort through how we can find some common action to prevent some of these actions in the future. Uh, you are the top Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, we heard from the special counsel this week for the first time. We heard from the attorney general about the Mueller report. Is there any question in your mind that the counterintelligence probe involving the Trump campaign was not legitimate? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, this was a appropriate actions taken by the FBI, taken by some of our intelligence community. Matter of fact, if they had not acted, it would have been the height of irresponsibility. There was evidence of Russian intervention. Uh, I wish, candidly, in many ways, the Obama administration had done more to get this message out. And one of the things I, I know there was lots of back and forth on the obstruction issue, but what I hope Americans would remember from the Mueller um, presser this week was where he started his comments and ended his comments, which was that America was attacked by a foreign power. And chances are they will be they or others will be back. This is the same testimony that the FBI director, Christopher Wray, again, a Trump appointee made a few weeks ago before Congress. And it is the height of irresponsibility that Congress has not acted to make sure that our elections in 2020 are more secure. I would argue there are three things we could do next week, when we, this week, when we come back. First, we ought to go ahead and pass bipartisan election security legislation to make sure, for example, that there's a paper ballot trail after every vote. There's been no floor time there's allotted. There's been no floor this. time allotted. Second, we ought to put some guardrails on social media. So there's not an ability for foreigners or other entities to create fake accounts and manipulate our whole political debate. And third, even if we accept the fact that Mueller said, even though there were 140 plus connections between Russians and Trump officials, it didn't rise to the level of conspiracy. We ought to say on future federal elections, if there is a foreign entity trying to intervene, there ought to be an affirmative obligation to report that to the FBI. I want to play for you a soundbite from our Jan Crawford's interview with Attorney General Barr when he was talking about uh, the president's characterization of some of the investigators. You don't think that they've committed treason? Not as a legal matter, right. But you have concerns about how they conducted the investigation? Yes, but, you know... When you're dealing with official government contact, in, intent is frequently a murky issue. Uh, I'm not suggesting people uh, did what they did necessarily because of uh, conscious nefarious motives. Sometimes people can convince themselves that what they're doing is in the, the higher interest, the better good. They don't realize that what they're doing is really antithetical to the democratic system we have. They start viewing themselves as the guardians of the people that are more informed and sensitive than everybody else. Is there a possibility that, as the attorney general suggests, all of this was born out of a misguided sense of justice? And what is wrong with raising some of the questions that he has about the standards for decision making? Seventeen U.S. intelligence agencies confirm the fact that the Russians intervened in our elections. Our bipartisan committee, the last bipartisan effort on the Hill looking at this issue, reaffirmed unanimously that the Russians massively intervened. 
If we had not acted, if our intelligence community and law enforcement had not acted, they would have been irresponsible. And candidly, Mr. Barr has very little credibility with me, and I think the vast majority of, candidly, not just Democrats, but many Americans, because he, time and again, is not acting as our attorney general, but as a personal advocate for Donald Trump. The attorney general is beginning this investigation, though, into yes. the counterintelligence probe. Have, um, have at it, because facts will confirm what the intelligence community and law enforcement did was right. We, as as the intelligence committee, have looked into the beginnings of this investigation. Mm-hmm. Again, I will restate what I said earlier. If law enforcement and the intelligence community had not started an investigation when they had evidence of Russian interference, they would have been it would have been the height of irresponsibility. Since you have oversight in your committee role of the intelligence agencies, will you receive any kind of update from the agency chiefs? I know Adam Schiff on the House side has asked in a letter for regular updates. Are you going to get those? We are continuing to ask for regular updates. And one of the most important items that we can receive and we're in the process of obtaining these documents. What was the counterintelligence evidence, not the conclusions that Mueller put out, but the evidence that Mueller received? Uh, For us to finish our job, we need that evidence. But can you unequivocally say politics played absolutely no role in influencing the decision makers when they opened and conducted this counterintelligence? I saw absolutely no evidence that politics played any role. And again, if law enforcement and the FBI had not opened an investigation when they had as much evidence as they did of Russian intervention, they would have been irresponsible. Matter of fact, one of the ironies is I believe Barr and Trump have repeatedly criticized the Obama administration for not doing more to get the word out before the election. North Korea uh, reports out that their top negotiator and four other officials have either been removed or possibly executed for the failure in Hanoi. Can you confirm that? I cannot confirm it today, but I'll get a brief this week. It's a um, Who's briefing? We will get briefs from the intelligence community. But it's, again, if true, it is a remarkable further evidence of how, how draconian and extreme the Kim regime is. And I think, again, this president's notion that he has built this personal relationship with this murderer, because even if these individuals have not been murdered, we know the... Kim's, I believe, cousin or uncle was murdered by anti-aircraft machine in a in a brutal, brutal way. It raises real questions whether this so-called personal connection is going to lead to a safer world. Senator Warner, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, we turn now to Republican Senator John Kennedy, who joins us this morning from New Orleans. Uh, good morning to you, Senator. Um, you heard this week, as the country did, from Rob- Robert Mueller, who said in front of the cameras, if we had confidence the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. Are you confident the president did not commit a crime? Here's what I heard Mr. Mueller say this week. First, I quit. No moss. I've done the best I can. Um, If you're happy with it, fine. If you're not happy with it, call your priest or your minister or your psychiatrist. But I'm done and I don't want to testify. Look at my report. I look at his report and I see uh, the following. Number one, no collusion. So no indictment. Well, actually, he said it wasn't about collusion. He said no conspiracy or evidence that amounted to ability to prosecute conspiracy. That's what I was going to get. That's what I was going to get to next, Mark. On the uh, obstruction of justice, he said, I'm not saying the president did it. I'm not saying the president didn't do it. I am saying I'm not going to bring an indictment. Um, You can uh, you, you can hear what you want to hear in the report. People obviously have strong feelings about this. But I'm asking what you have never heard. heard. Are you confident the president did not commit a crime? I heard. Yes. Thank you. Uh, you referenced there that you think Bob Mueller is done. He said he, he prefers not to come back and testify. But then some of the people right. who support the president, including his uh, attorney, Rudy Giuliani, have said that maybe he should. In fact, Giuliani was quoted by the Daily Beast saying uh, if they allow uh, Congressman Meadows and Jordan and a few others out there, they'll eviscerate Robert Mueller. He would love to have him testify. Former White House Attorney John Dowd said something similar. Are you swayed by that at all? Do you think Mueller should testify? 
No, not at this juncture. I don't think it'll do any good. If he wants to, I wouldn't object, but he clearly doesn't want to. And if you make him testify, he's going to say, read my report. Look, the the next step in this, Margaret, my Democratic friends have got to make a decision on impeachment. Now, I think impeachment will be a Sisyphean task. Um, It'll be tough going in the Senate. Impeachment uh, polls right up there with skim milk among the American people. But but my advice to my Democratic friends is, um, if you want to do it, go hard or go home. You know, if you want to do it, go, go to Amazon online, buy Spine, and do it. But go hard or go home. If you're not going to do it, then let us get back to work. Well, uh, I hate to waste a year and a half. Uh, understood. But in terms of moving on from the Mueller report, you have the attorney general say he's not ready to move on when it comes to the question of the origins of the counterintelligence probe itself, which, to be mm-hmm. clear, was opened after a Trump campaign aide, George Papadopoulos, uh, had some contact with Russians discussing stolen Im- information from Hillary Clinton. So do you support the attorney general's uh, probe here into the origins of the investigation itself. Yes. And let's look at the facts. Forget the spin. In the 2016 election, the FBI, maybe the CIA, and the Department of Justice decided to investigate both presidential candidates, Secretary Clinton and then, uh, then nominee President Trump. Now, that's pretty breathtaking. Uh, And arguably, those investigations had an impact on the election. I don't know whether they did or didn't. I don't know how you'd prove it. But that's a pretty serious step by the FBI and the Justice Department. I'd like to know why they did it. I do believe there were some uh, people, small handful of people, at those agencies that acted on their political beliefs, either for Trump or for Clinton, or against Trump or against Clinton, and I don't want to see it happen again. I don't see the harm in looking at the facts. In fact, I've asked the president to, to, to look, look for every document at the FBI and Justice Department pertaining to the 2016 election and the investigations, mm-hmm. properly redact them, and let the American people see them. American people will figure it out if you let them see the facts. I want to ask you about another issue, and that is the president's decision to put this 5% tariff on a broad range of Mexican products to punish that country Mm -hmm. for allowing migrants across the border. Uh, Chuck Grassley, fellow Republican senator, says this is a misuse of tariff authority and congressional intent. Are you a supporter of the president's decision to do this? I think it was a mistake. Um, I'm not saying we don't have a crisis at the border. We clearly do. Uh, I'm not saying it won't work. President uh, uh, Lopez Obrador has already indicated that he's willing to talk. But I worry about the long-term ramifications. We have a deal with Mexico on trade. It's called NAFTA. In fact, we just uh, shook hands on a new deal. It's called NAFTA too. Uh, when you give your word, you stick to it. And I really worry about us negotiating trade deals with other countries and whether those countries will wonder, well, if we, if we make concessions and trade hard and we reach a deal, will America stick to it? Now, having said all of that, I don't think the president's going to impose these tariffs. Uh, my experience with the president is he's a very smart man. I wouldn't call him risk averse. <laughs> he's been known to play with fire, but not live hand grenades. And if, if, uh, if he slaps a 25 percent tariff on Mexico, it's going to tank the American economy. And I think the president knows that, and I don't think he'll do it. Senator Kennedy, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back with West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, so don't go away. Are you having trouble sleeping? NFL players have been coached. Blue light from smart devices, it can affect your sleep. They'll even wear blue blocker glasses in the evening for improved sleep. Others will try tart cherry juice and smoothies. Not only can it help fight inflammation, but to help you sleep, it's got high amounts of natural melatonin that's beneficial for sleep. The other night, my girlfriend told me I was snoring way too much and even the earplugs weren't helping. So the next day, she took me to the Sleep Number store because if I was snoring, at least she could get a good night's sleep on a Sleep Number bed. Sleep Number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort, and support. 
The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movement and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably through the night. With Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping so you can know every morning how well you've slept and gain insights for your best sleep. Experience the smart, effortless comfort of the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. Find your competitive edge with proven quality sleep from $999. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you at sleepnumber.com slash cadence. That's sleepnumber.com slash C-A-D-E-N-C-E. Sleep Number. We're back now with West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. He's a moderate Democrat who has pushed for bipartisan background check legislation. He joins us this morning from Charleston. Uh, Senator, you've tried and failed to get these uh, restrictions or more background checks passed. Do we need this? Would it have prevented what happened in Virginia Beach? Well, here's the thing. We couldn't even get the most common sense uh, legitimate gun owners, uh, you know, law-abiding gun owners understand we're not afraid to have background checks and we're not going to do anything wrong with our guns. But there should be a balance of how you basically prevent people in commercial settings uh, from not getting a gun when you don't know who they are and what their background is. Uh, we couldn't even get that done, Margaret. And uh, I'm just asking my Republican colleagues and friends to use some common sense and let's do things that basically will protect the public and give us some certainty that we're trying to move in a, in a common sense manner. I want to ask you about a trip you just took to a number of countries uh, and you saw what was happening in the Arctic, which American scientists say is melting uh, faster, twice the rate than the rest of the world. What impact did you see? And is the economic benefit of some of this, which the Trump administration argues there is, offset this catastrophic effect for the climate? Well, the climate change is real. I saw it firsthand. I've read about it before and heard and listened to all the scientists. The thing of it is, if you go up in that uh, fragile ecosystem that we have, and then you look at the geopolitics that's involved, uh, we met with the parliamentarians of the eight Arctic nations. Uh, We listened to each one of them, from Russia to Canada, the U.S., and then you have uh, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, uh, Norway, and Iceland. They all absolutely will show you not just tell you, they'll show you the changes that are happening, the fish migration, the changes of that, the melting of the ice. We were in Greenland, went up to the ice shelf there and saw how it's retreated in a very short period of time. So we as humans have a responsibility to do something. Uh, I'm not for elimination because that's not practical. You're not going to stop the rest of the sovereign countries of the world from using the energy they have in their backyard, but we can use it much cleaner. I was at the uh, university in, in uh, Stockholm, in Aberdeen, and saw uh, carbon capture utilization, not sequestering, trying to pump it in the ground, by using it as byproducts in valued, uh, in valued uh, assets. It's going to be unbelievable if we start working in a way that, that basically science has proven that we can do it. You also heard, though, from the Trump administration that uh, national security officials are warning that Russia might have been conducting in that area low-yield nuclear tests. Have you seen any evidence of that? I didn't, see, I didn't see that. What I did see and what I know, Russia is spending more of their money, more, more of their effort and money in the Arctic region. They have a tremendous landmass uh, that's in the Arctic. They're spending more money there than they are in entire uh, social services for Russia. It's unbelievable the commitment they've made. We've seen more activity of aircraft flying in those spaces. We've seen submarine activity from Russia, uh, more so than we have during the Cold War. So there's a lot of activity there. They opened up the Northwest Passage. That's a whole nother, that's a game changer. We've got to be on top, and the United States has got to start uh, getting involved to make sure that we're a leader up there and not a follower, because I can tell you, what Russia is doing, what China is doing. China is using their money, trying to buy their way into the Arctic to be a big player. It's unbelievable, and we should be alerted, and we should start acting. Well, uh, I do want to talk to you more about that, and because you are one of three Democrats who voted to confirm the attorney general, I want to hear your views on what he said this week. But we have to take a break, and we'll have those questions when we come back. Memories make us laugh 
and cry. And sometimes cringe when we look back at our fashion choices. But in between flashbacks of bowl cuts and dad jeans, our memories are fading, and so is the old media that holds them. Hi, I'm Adam Baselogger. And I'm Nick Mako, and we're the founders of Legacy Box. Legacy Box is the easiest and safest way to preserve your family memories. Here's how it works. Fill Legacy Box with your outdated media. We professionally digitize and send them back on DVDs, thumb drive, or the cloud. Look, those forgotten home movies, VHS tapes, film reels, and photos are degrading right before your eyes. Experience peace of mind and enjoy reliving the glory days. Join more than half a million families who have already trusted Legacy Box. Save your memories today. Visit LegacyBox.com save. And for a limited time, get 40% off your order. That's LegacyBox.com save for 40% off. LegacyBox.com save. Later today, President Trump will travel across the pond for a state visit to the United Kingdom. He'll meet with Prime Minister Theresa May. He'll attend a state dinner with the Queen and others in the royal family. And then he'll travel to Normandy to honor the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Welcome back to Face the Nation. Senator Joe Manchin is still with us. Uh, Senator As I mentioned, you were one of three Democrats who voted to confirm the attorney general, Bill Barr, uh, for his post. And you heard in this exclusive interview with my colleague, Jan Crawford, this week, he said that some of the investigators in the Russia probe may have been misguided and what they did, quote, antithetical to the democratic system. What do you make of that characterization? Well, first of all, I've uh, I've uh, basically voted for many of the president executive uh, decisions they've made as far as who their appointments would be. I've always felt that the executive should be able to put their team together if the person's qualified, has no background, criminal background, and has good experience level. Uh, Barr met all that. Uh, with that, you're saying the decisions he's making and how he's making them now in lieu of Mueller's report. No one's done a more extensive report than Mueller. I was on Intelligence Committee last year, and we've been delving into this for quite some time. But uh, there's been an awful lot of investigations done by honorable people who've done what they felt was the right thing. Mueller making the decision he made, put it out there. Uh, I always wanted to hear from Mueller to come before the uh, before Congress and hear from his own uh, mind and his own his own mouth, if you will, uh, what his intentions were. And if he thought he was impeded uh, and could not have gone farther or did he find anything? I don't think that there was a collusion. Uh, quid pro quo, but I think there was an awful lot of people that were riding it pretty uh, high for themselves, trying to put themselves in the best position they could to enhance their own their own wealth, if you will. Uh, you're talking about contact between the Trump campaign and Russia, but in, in terms of the attorney general's allegations that the counterintelligence probe was in some way uh, either misguided due to politics or by people no. thinking they're helping, but hurting the country. I mean, that's a pretty strong assertion. Do you regret voting to confirm the attorney general? Well, I've said this. If he basically takes the position that he's more the lawyer from the executive point of view and not for the people's point of view, I would have made a mistake. I wanted to hear from Mueller exactly, but now in hearing where he's coming from, it really gives me pause and concern that he's the people's uh, attorney. He should be looking out to uh, protect the Constitution and all of us who are uh, protected by that Constitution. Well, he argues and he is. still has to basically be appointed. Yeah. Well, he argues he is. I think he's wrong in that assertion uh, that they were misguided or intentionally going a different direction. I think that Bob Mueller was on beyond reproach. Uh, I think we all felt that. He was extremely capable, honorable, and did a great job. With that, people don't like this, him not coming out uh, with more of a definitive, if you will, uh, but I think it was very clear. He said that the rules are you're not going to impeach uh, or uh, bring charges against a setting president. If that's the case, he's put everything out there. Here's the thing I've said. You've got a little over 17 months to the next election. If you want to go through an impeachment, we get very little done there uh, anyway. Yeah. We'll get nothing done if you go into that. And next of all, there's not one Republican in the Senate that would vote for an impeachment. So why waste your time? You have an election coming up. Voice your opinion there and make your choice. That's where it should be done. Very quickly, yes or no, do you support the president's tariffs on Mexico? 
Oh, no, no, not, not the way we're going here. I've said, Mr. President, please, the 2013 major okay. immigration bipartisan bill that we passed is a bill that needs to come back. Please, Mr. President, let's fix immigration and border security. We need both. Senator Manchin, thank you for joining us. And we will be right back with British Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt. I used to think that all diet and weight loss plans were the same. Well, not anymore, because I found Noom. Noom is a new and totally different approach to losing weight and getting healthy that uses psychology and small goals to help change your habits. So it's easy to lose the weight and keep it off for good. Noom combines the power of technology with real human support, offering as little or as much help as you want along the way. And since Noom is an app, it's always with you and easy to use, which makes it super easy to stay on track and reach your goals. Plus, it's really simple to get started. Just go online, answer a few quick questions, and they'll create a personalized program just for you. Noom helped me lose my old way of thinking about food and dieting. So what do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash podcast, N-O-O-M dot com slash podcast, and start your 14-day trial today. Like they say, change your habits, change your mind, and change for good with Noom. President Trump travels to London tonight, and he will be greeted by British Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt, who is also vying for leadership of the country's Conservative Party and ultimately the title of Prime Minister. He joins us from London. Uh, welcome to Face the Nation. Um, we know that the president has given some interviews ahead of his uh, arrival in the U.K., and he said of Boris Johnson, one of your rivals, he would do a very good job. He would be excellent. He's made other comments. Uh, should the president be weighing in on your election? Well, we've got to know the president a bit over the last few years. Good morning, Margaret, by the way. And, and we're, we're quite used to uh, the fact that he does the unexpected thing. And <laughs> it's not going to affect the warmth of the welcome that we give him because uh, Britain and America are two of the greatest friends you find anywhere on the planet. In that interview, the, the president also said he likes you, too. Um, and he said that some candidates had asked for his endorsement. I'll take the compliments where I can get them. <laughs> Did you ask him for an endorsement? Uh, no, I have never asked. And, uh, I, you know, I think uh, my job is to represent the British government. And uh, I think the, the worst thing anyone could imagine is a foreign secretary talking about the future leadership of the country when he's there to represent the current government and the current prime minister. And I want to ask you about your work in that. The president had made some comment about Meghan Markle, referring to her as nasty for comments she made about him back in 2016. I didn't know that she was nasty. Is any of this going to disrupt uh, the welcome? I don't think it's going to disrupt the welcome at all, because I think the other thing we've learned from the president is that you know, regularly we have to agree to disagree. And there's a whole list of things that we don't agree with the administration on, but it doesn't affect the fact that we have the most important partnership that there is in the world for freedom, democracy, the rule of law, the things that really matter. And that's what uh, we're celebrating. I want to ask you about one of the things that the U.K. and the U.S. have had some disagreement on, and that is uh, the threat posed by Iran. The U.K. had wanted the U.S. to stay part of that international deal to freeze Iran's nuclear program. Obviously, the president did not. Well, we've never disagreed with the U.S. about the threat posed by Iran. And we uh, see the intelligence that the U.S. sees. We have a a very close intelligence sharing relationship and we see the destabilization that's happening in Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, across the Middle East, the Yemen as well. And so we completely agree that uh, something has to be done to stop that because this is one of the most fragile regions on the planet. But we do want to make sure that Iran doesn't go nuclear. And we think that uh, if Iran acquired nuclear weapons, uh, other countries in the region will be likely to follow suit, and that could be very, very dangerous. And so you know, we have a very honest discussion. That's why we signed up with the previous administration to the Iran nuclear deal. Is the U.K. supporting uh, the U.S. campaign to put more pressure on Iran? We absolutely recognize we need to put more pressure on Iran, and we agree that the status quo, even with the um, lack of nuclear weapons, in Iran, the status quo is not sustainable when you have incredibly tense situations. The U.S. has filed an extradition uh, request with your government to have Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks, here uh, in the United States to face justice. We know U.N. officials raise concerns about human rights violations if he's sent here. Does your government take that seriously? 
Julian Assange is someone who is alleged to have committed some very serious crimes, uh, alleged to have led to people's deaths, and so it is absolutely right that he faces justice, and he has no more reason to escape justice than anyone else who's alleged to have committed crimes, so I think what's happened is the right thing. So if you do become prime minister, you would not stand in the way of an extradition of Assange to the United States? Well, we would have to follow our own legal processes, just as the U.S. has to follow its own legal processes. But do I think, uh, would I want to stand in the way of Julian Assange facing justice? No, I would not. President Trump has said uh, one of the things he does want to speak to your uh, current prime minister, Theresa May, about uh, is the threat posed by China and specifically this company, Huawei, which I know the UK has not made a decision as yet as to whether this firm would be allowed to help build out your Internet, the 5G network. Um, But Secretary Pompeo has said if you don't take this seriously, the U.S. might not be able to share intelligence anymore with the United Kingdom. Why hasn't the the UK agreed to what the US is asking? Well, we are taking it very seriously. Um, We have uh, some of the best cybersecurity capability in the world, um, and we'd never take a decision that affected our intelligence sharing capability with the United States. Um, And we have to look at the technical issues, which are around whether uh, buying products from a specific country could be a, a backdoor to espionage, and we're looking at those very carefully. But we also have to look at the strategic issue, which is that China's been very open. They've said they want to have an 80% market share of telecoms technology. And in other areas like artificial intelligence, they want a 90% market share by 2025. And we have to ask, uh, as Western countries, whether it's wise to allow one country to have such a commanding monopoly in the technologies that we're all of us going to be depending on. So those are very, very important discussions that we we continue to have. It sounds like you may be considering that. Um, One of the things that the president has also said he wants to bring up with uh, Prime Minister May is uh, it seems his continued concern uh, that the UK may have in some way or another worked with uh, the CIA or FBI regarding what he calls the Russian hoax. He made these comments uh, just uh, last week. How does your government respond to this allegation? I know the GCHQ, British intelligence, has previously denied it, but the president still suspects it. You know, we have a very uh, close intelligence-sharing relationship, and our default is always to say yes to our closest ally. If, if, If America asks us to do things, you guys are doing so much to defend Europe and defend freedom across the world, uh, you know, we would want to be cooperative, but we would always do so within due process and we would never do anything improper. Uh, And we don't have any secrets, um, so we're happy to discuss these things. But one of the things that I'll certainly be discussing with the President and uh, Secretary of State Pompeo is our concern about the growing strategy we seem to be seeing from Russia to interfere in democratic processes in free countries. But do I understand you saying there that the UK has not yet been asked by the US for help in the probe the Attorney General in this country is carrying out, but you continue to deny that there was any work with the CIA or FBI on the so-called Russian hoax? Margaret, you'll forgive me if I, I talk in generalities, but we obviously don't talk in the media about specific requests over intelligence sharing except to say what I've just said, which is that we would always try and work closely and helpfully with our our greatest ally because we recognize the important role you play in the world and we would never, of course, do anything improper or seek to interfere with another country's electoral processes. Mr. Foreign Secretary, good luck with your busy visit. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Margaret. We'll be right back. What's your next adventure? Everyone deserves a chance to do what they love. Pacific Life helps you reach financial goals while you go after your personal ones. Plans change over time and your financial solutions can too. Pacific Life has a variety of financial solutions that can help you complement your life goals and passions while managing the uncertainties. Backed by more than 150 years of experience, you can count on Pacific Life to be there so you can go out and keep living your best life. Pacific Life is one of the most dependable and experienced insurers in the industry and has been named one of the 2019 world's most ethical companies by the Ethisphere Institute. The freedom to go after whatever is next for you, that's the power of Pacific. 
Ask a financial professional about how Pacific Life can help give you the freedom to do what you love. Or visit www.pacificlife.com. Welcome back to Face the Nation. It's time now for some political analysis. Ramesh Panuro is senior editor at National Review and a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Susan Page is the Washington bureau chief of USA Today. Jamal Simmons is a host on Hill TV and a Democratic strategist. And Jan Crawford is our CBS News chief legal correspondent. And Jan, you had the interview of the week with the attorney general uh, and his first reaction after Robert Mueller spoke publicly about the report. I think a question a lot of Americans have is, how did this go on for two years and the attorney general and the special counsel had two very different ideas of what could be accomplished in this investigation? Oh, well, you're talking about why the special counsel said, I can't make a conclusion on whether or not the president obstructed justice because of this existing Office of Legal Counsel opinion about indicting sitting presidents. And I think uh, it's interesting because when the special counsel met with the attorney general and his team on March 5th, uh, they were told at that point that he was not going to reach a conclusion on whether or not the president obstructed justice. They weren't even going to get into that analysis. Um, And I was told by other sources in the department that there was some confusion uh, on the behalf of the attorney general and his team about why Uh, They didn't really understand some of the reasoning that they were hearing from the special counsel at that point about why he wasn't going to make a decision on obstruction. Uh, The report was not finished at that point. They were still working on it. So they just decided to to wait and see what the report said. Uh, And then when they got the report uh, with with no conclusion in there, they decided they would look at the law, uh, analyze the facts in the law and make the decision themselves. But there was a lot in that report that surprised them, or rather, I should say, that was not in the report. They also expected the special counsel to go through and identify uh, the confidential grand jury information Mm -hmm. so that they could quickly release a version of the report to the public. And they had been told that that was being done over a period of weeks. And so when they got the report, that was also a surprise that that information had not been identified, which would have meant that a four-page summary that was released later on would have been unnecessary by the attorney general. Up to this point, though, the one thing that seems agreed upon on both sides of the aisle has been, with the exception of the president, that Robert Mueller was extremely well qualified to carry all of this out. Why now, at this point, is the case essentially being made that he had unfinished business or that some of the technicalities of what you just laid out are calling some of this into question. Well, there, I think there's some disappointment. Uh, you know, people were looking for Robert Mueller, this man, like you said, who was highly regarded, a man of integrity, uh, to come in and say, here's the answers, here's what we need to do, American people, and let's just either resolve it or move on. And then when this kind of seemed to be unresolved on whether or not uh, the president obstructed justice, it, it was unsatisfactory uh, to a lot of people, especially when we think about the time and money that was spent on this investigation. Now, some people have said and asked why, uh, when the attorney general got this report, why didn't he send it back and say, you didn't finish the job? And I think, I mean, I think we can all understand what that might have looked like. It surely would have leaked uh, that the attorney general wasn't happy with the special counsel's report, told him to rethink it. Uh, So the Justice Department and the team really decided we're just going to stay out of it. This is Robert Mueller's work. This is his uh, decision and his conclusions. And now we're going to take it from there. Jamal, uh, James Comey, the former FBI director, tweeted about this interview that Jan conducted that Bill Barr offers no facts and AG should not be echoing conspiracy theories. He should gather facts and show them this is what justice is about. Uh, This seems to push back specifically on this implication that he was misguided and other investigators were. Are we at the point of conspiracy theories? Is this a legitimate criticism? It does feel like we're at the point of conspiracy theory. But remember, the AG came out on the very first day and used words like collusion, which uh, Robert Mueller said in the very beginning of his report, he did not investigate collusion because it wasn't a legal term. He investigated criminal conspiracies. Um, So there is some question about what really the AG is up to and who it is he is defending here. Is he looking out for the American people or looking out for the president? The reality is Mueller laid out a case. He listed at least well, 10 instances of possible obstruction of justice, including the most salient of which, which appears to be the time the president ordered the White House counsel to go and fire the special counsel and then asked him to come up with a fake document to prove that he did not order him to go fire the special counsel. 
the Republicans are talking about process here to keep from having to talk about the substance of the report. Ramesh, how do you respond to that? Both of our major political parties in 2016 ran presidential candidates under FBI investigation. And that is going to create strain on the system, and we are seeing that strain continue to play out. I think that Attorney General Barr is quite right, as he said in uh, Jan's interview, that it is a big deal when a presidential campaign is put under surveillance, and it is perfectly reasonable to ask questions about whether, as he puts it, it was adequately predicated. You'll notice that Virginia Democratic Senator Mark Warner, earlier on the show, although he was quite critical of Barr, said, have at it with respect to that investigation. Go find those facts. And I think that that's a reasonable position to take. Yeah, but, but, you know, you certainly get the impression that uh, Barr was speaking as the president's lawyer, not as the country's lawyer. Uh, he adopted even some of the most controversial things that the president has said, including suggesting that there were nefarious reasons for this investigation to be launched at the, at the beginning. And you almost got Joe Manchin, one of the few Democrats who voted for William Barr, to say he regretted that vote. He didn't quite go there, but it said it gave him pause. He clearly had concerns about the point of view that the attorney general adopted in talking about this very important issue. And, I mean, Jan, when uh, in that particular line, antithetical to our democracy, the attorney general did not present to you any evidence to back that up. It's, it's a hunch. I, I tried. I, 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 I know you did. You did he said he wasn't going to go there. Job. He said he has seen things that, that he believes merit investigation, whether it's the timeline and how this investigation was launched and what was done at a certain time or whether it was things afterward and meeting that occurred in Trump Tower after the election. Uh, but he wouldn't confirm or deny any of that. Uh, he did make the point, though, and, and I think this is important to keep in mind. He, his, he started his career in the CIA in the 1970s, and that was in the wake of tremendous abuses by our intelligence agencies, investigations into civil rights organizations and American citizens. So his point to me over and over was that we have to look at these uh, investigations into an unprecedented, an unprecedented investigation into a presidential campaign to see if abuses occurred. What is wrong with that? So he's saying, I'm taking this mm-hmm. again, his words, you know, I'm looking into this now to make sure that it was followed properly, that rules and procedures were followed. Uh, and if not, why not? And so, again, to your point, Ramesh, that that is very much what he said throughout the interview, that we're taking a look at this in the facts. Maybe it was legitimate. And he said that in the interview, too. Mm-hmm. That maybe it was legitimate. Maybe they had to handle it with this very small group of right. high-ranking officials at headquarters instead of the normal practice. And maybe there was a reason for that. Well, what's interesting is he is saying here that he wants to look into whether or not they were spying. But he did make a determination of no obstruction of justice without looking at any of the underlying evidence, only reading the report. That's, at least that's what he told the Senate committee that asked him. Which is its own fight right now on the Hill. But, Ramesh, uh, I want to ask you, because you wrote about basically that it might be a miscalculation by the Speaker of the House not to move forward with impeachment proceedings, which that pressure was added to this week with Mueller's comments. That's right. You know, it's an interesting thing that even though Mueller didn't actually tell us anything that he hadn't already told us in the report, it did seem to add fuel to the calls for impeachment on the Democratic side. I think Nancy Pelosi has made a judgment. There's a presidential race coming up. We're not going to get impeachment acted on by the Senate because Republicans control it. And he requires a two-thirds vote to remove the president. But I do wonder whether you can run a campaign, which is, as as Pelosi herself said yesterday, we're going to expose the corruption of this president, the wrongdoing of this president. If you say he's a wrongdoer, you say he's corrupt, can you not follow that up by impeachment? Doesn't it really undercut your message if you're not willing to follow through? But if it ultimately fails, and the speaker, Susan, said this has to be ironclad, what is the purpose yeah, well, that's the debate that she's having with Democrats. You know, her problem is we now have more than 50 House Democrats supporting the beginning of an impeachment inquiry. So that number continues to rise. But none of those uh, members are among the 41 House Democrats who flipped Republican seats in 2018 and gave the majority to the Democratic Party in the House of Representatives. And that is that is a dilemma because the lack of overlap between the Democratic base being eager for impeachment and swing voters, some of them Democrats, some of them independents who are opposed to impeachment or who really want Democrats to focus on issues that affect them in their own lives. There that is the conundrum that Nancy Pelosi faces. Jamal, what, yeah. what did, <laughs> some of us were watching. I'm chomping at the bit on this one. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you are, but I do want to get your feedback yeah. on what you saw from some of the Democratic candidates this weekend out in California. Uh, so we saw the candidates out in California, I think, um, 
really speak up and say that they were ready for impeachment. This has been a growing thing. Elizabeth Warren and Julian Castro were among the first to say they were for it. And now it seems to be a fire that's making its way through it's an easy the thing entire. to say, though. Sure it is, because uh, the Democratic electorate wants it. And you asked the question about what does it prove. You know, Elijah Cummings on this air a few weeks ago said, this is their watch. Uh, it's up to them. And history will be looking back at the, the both the House and the Republicans in the Senate. And it is not the Democrats' job to absolve the Republicans from their constitutional responsibility. It's the Democrats' job to live up to their constitutional responsibility so if they happen. find wrongdoing. wrongdoing. Does this happen? Um, what does what happen? Impeachment? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would bet that there will be some effort to hold the president accountable. What it looks like in the end, maybe a censure, maybe impeachment. I don't think he gets off scot-free. All right. Uh, well... Plenty more to talk about, but we have to leave it there. Uh, Thank you, Jan. Congrats on the interview. That's it for us today. For Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were Democratic Senator Mark Warner, Republican Senator John Kennedy, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin, and British Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Allison Hawley. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can follow the show and CBS News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our digital network, CBSN, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 6 p.m. Eastern every Sunday. If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.